want to say thank you for listening. So our sponsors have given some great deals in this episode. Check these out. This episode of The Real Rescue Podcast is brought to you by Breeze Eastern, the world's only dedicated helicopter hoist and winch provider. SR3 Rescue Concepts, because you don't know what you don't know. And RescueSwimmershop.com, official high-quality apparel featuring the silhouette. Breeze Eastern, they dedicate themselves to our helicopter rescue world. Since the very first helicopter rescue in November of 1945, Breeze Eastern has designed and manufactured superior rescue hoist solutions. While much of the technology and the unique mission requirements have changed over the past 75 years, their commitment to the rescuers, the operators, and those being rescued has not. Contact them today by visiting them at breeze-eastern.com. SR3 Rescue Concepts is a training company that can help your helicopter training. They train daytime, nighttime, aerial firefighting, hoist, longline, fast rope, rappel, and more. They can assist your program with standardization and safety checks or just an FAA annual refresher. With the certified flight instructor pilots and experienced crew, they are ready to help your agency keep up to date with current techniques, rules, regulations, and equipment. Plus, right now, SR3 is offering 10% off anything in their web store with the promo code, all capital letters, REALRESCUE, R-E-A-L-R-E-S-Q. Plus, they are offering 10% from their partners, Petzl, and their equipment. All you got to do is send an email to info at sr3rescueconcepts.com. Mention this podcast, The Real Rescue Podcast, and they'll take care of the rest. 15 years ago, photographer and Coast Guard rescue swimmer number 526, Chris Razok, created an iconic photograph. This photograph depicted the silhouette of a helicopter rescue swimmer reaching down for an outstretched hand in need against the American flag backdrop. The image went viral and became a symbol worldwide for the rescue community and the people they helped. Its wild popularity inspired Chris to launch RescueSwimmerShop.com, a web store offering official high-quality apparel featuring his evocative image, The Silhouette. T-shirts, hats, patches, and stickers featuring The Silhouette are available at RescueSwimmerShop.com, including the flagship design, So Others May Live. Follow Chris and his story on Instagram with the handle at Rescue Swimmer Shop. And if you are a rescue swimmer, support rescue swimmers, or just tell people you are one at the bar, this gear is definitely for you. When you get to the website, rescueswimmershop.com, enter the promo code, all lowercase, one word, rescue, R-E-S-C-U-E, for 10% off your order. I may have told you guys in an episode or two that I love what I do. Well, that is not an exaggeration. I love this job. I love what we do. I love jumping out of helicopters. I love hoisting. I love flying. Everything about it is just so much fun for me. I I just, I love it. Well, today in this episode, this is another reason why I love this job so much. 
Today, we get to hear from United States Coast Guard rescue swimmer number 363, Jimmy Farmer again. Not only does he join us, but one of his survivors, Mr. Larry LaFont, joins us as well. This episode is so much fun for me personally because this is not something we hear ever. Like you always hear, oh, it's a rarity that you might meet your survivors or it's a rarity that you might find out what happened after. But to have it all joined together right now here, this is pretty amazing and I am totally stoked. So we get to hear from Larry and what happened to him and how he got put into a position where he needed rescuing. And then we get to hear from Jimmy and what he did to go in and pull this guy out of the water. This is an amazing story and I hope you guys enjoy it as much as I did. My name is Jason Quinn. I am United States Coast Guard rescue swimmer number 500. These are my rescues and rescues from those of us that put our lives on the line every day so others may live. This is The Real Rescue Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to The Real Rescue Podcast. Today, I have an amazing treat for everybody. So not only do we have Jimmy Farmer back, and if you have not listened to his episode, it was the last episode that just aired amazing stuff. Jimmy, what's up, buddy? How are you? Hey, good, Jason. Good to see you again. Dude, ha- happy to have you back, my yeah. friend. But today, in addition to Jimmy, we have Larry LaFont, and he is coming to us as one of the survivors that Jimmy so happened picked up. Mr. Larry, how are you, sir? I'm fine. Good morning. Good Dude. to see all of you. Oh, so good to see you. I am so pumped to have you guys here, man. This this is amazing. Um, I do want to give one shout out. So a shout out to Miss Hannah Schwarmke. Totally thank US you Coast. for, yeah. All right. So U.S. Coast Guard. So you are the reason, or she is the reason that you got connected with all of us to make this That's happen. Correct. That's correct. That's yeah. awesome. And, and yeah, we're going to we're going to find out exactly how and why that's important. So you got rescued by the United States Coast Guard and by rescue swimmer number 363, baby, 363. Woo! Uh, so <laughs> I'll tell you what, without let, let's get this started. So Jimmy, you get the alarm goes off. What do you hear? Yeah. So New Orleans, you know, they got a funky whoopee, uh, I don't know if they've changed it now, but it's just this dry ball, you know? And, that was really uh, good. Could you do that again? Yeah. Ball. <laughs> so, yeah, it's horrible. So um, I guess it was probably six in the morning. Um, from what I remember, it's pretty early. During the week, too, I believe. Uh, nobody was there yet. Um, nobody gets in until about 730. But anyway. Yeah, so the call comes in. Um, we really didn't know that much going out. It was a helo down. Um, and I think they, you know, I think it, they said five survivors or something like that. And wow. of course, I'm, uh, I immediately think like, you know, down helo in the water. Oh my gosh, you know, I'm thinking the worst, well, always worst case scenario. What do I need to do? What am I going to, you know, try to get myself ready for, for the worst? Um, so yeah, it's, uh, gosh, that day, cold March, um, in my dry suit loaded down with my gear, 
Dave Walker was the pilot, uh, man, probably one of the best sticks I've ever flown with too, by the way. So, you know, going out, life was good. Um, it really wasn't that foggy, uh, leaving air stay. Um, but we knew the conditions were going to be, you know, get worse once we got over the water and, and where we needed to get. So, uh, flying out there really wasn't that bad, you know, visibility might've been less than, you know, maybe 10 miles, something like that. It really wasn't that bad. But once, once we started getting over water, man, it just, it was looking really socked in. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know how far you want me to go into it. Um, well, you're, I'll but, tell you uh, what, you're on your way to being on scene right now. Let's, uh, let's yeah, do a little so, reverse and, and back up our timeline. Mr. Larry, uh, how the heck did you end up in the water? So let's go back <laughs> to the beginning for you, my friend. Well, it, uh, a little background. I worked for Taylor Energy Company and the uh, uh, company was owned by Mr. Patrick Taylor at the time. Uh, it's the largest personally, privately owned oil company in the world. Wasn't a small, wasn't, wasn't a big company, but it was, it was the largest privately co owned company in the world. And Mr. Taylor wanted everything in house. He had his own helicopters, he had his own pilots, he had his own mechanics. We had our own um, uh, hangar at Lakefront Airport in New Orleans and we flew out of there. And uh, the, the copters we were flying were Eurostar, Eurocopter A-Stars. Nice. Beautiful helicopters. Yeah. Strong, love, love beautiful helicopter. And uh, it was March the 6th, Thursday morning. We were gonna do a, a routine crew change from, um, Lakefront Airport to Mississippi Canyon 20. Yeah. I, you know what's great about that is I actually know where that is because I flew out of Fushan all the time. Mississippi yeah. Canyon. Oh, we're going there for a minute of medevac. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All the blocks and, uh, out there. So for everybody that doesn't know, everything in the Gulf of Mexico for the oil uh, industry and whatnot is all in blocks. So you have a certain canyon and in that block, it's like, so Mississippi Canyon 101, you have uh, blocks, blocks are like three miles by three miles. Yeah. And they're like all, yeah. all different sections. And that's where everybody knows where they're going. So, and if like a, if a jack up rigs moves, okay, now they're in this block. So kind correct, of a little correct. side note. Yeah. Well, anyway, we, 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 would, we took off from Lakefront airport and there were, um, uh, four passengers, uh, and, and the pilot, uh, there were Brad seal from, uh, Mississippi. Rusty Smith from uh, Alabama, Rod Marks from uh, Louisiana, and I, I'm from Louisiana, and uh, the pilot. And uh, we took off that morning. I was sitting in the rear of the helicopter on the left side. Brad was sitting in the front next to the pilot. Rod was next to me, and Rusty was on the other side. <clears throat> and uh, not knowing uh, the pilot had been hired it was a few months, I guess. And when he hired on, he wasn't instrument certified. So uh, the company had wrote him a check to go get instrument certified, and he just hadn't gone yet. So anyway, we're flying out, and uh, we were probably 1,000 feet, 1,500 feet. And, but we were to the east of the Mississippi River over the, the, the Mississippi Sound. And at that, that time of year, the Mississippi River, was all the cold water was coming down from up north, and the Weir River was overflowing. And uh, somewhere about halfway there, we hit a fog bank. And instantly, you couldn't see anything. So 
when I couldn't see, I, I kind of sat up to, to see what was going to go, what was going to go on. And the pilot picked up and started peeling off to the right, pe picking up and peeling to the right. But he broke out of the fog because I could see the Mississippi River. And, 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 you know, I said, well, in my mind, I said, he's turning around. He's going to go back to Lakefront. So I sat back, not knowing he did a 360 and dropped down in elevation and tried to come in under the fog. That was the worst, worst thing he could do because the fog was even worse down low than it was up high. And once we got in, I mean, you, it was like you covered your eyes. You couldn't see anything. Uh, on our first run in, I was just looking down, looking outside, and I saw this little well jacket. And there was a, a little stream of oil coming off of it. And in my mind, I said, you know, somebody's got a problem. They got an oil leak on that little jacket. So the second time we get into the fog, you could feel the helicopter doing some, some really funny stuff. It, it really, you could tell it wasn't right. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm sitting up, I'm looking around and, and uh, the pilot's fighting the helicopter, Brad's talking to him. And uh, I look down and I see that same little well jacket, except it's going backwards. So we're flying backwards, not knowing. I guess the pilot didn't realize he was flying backwards. And, uh, the helicopter was in the tail down position, not okay. doing that either. Uh, when I saw that little well jacket go backwards, I said, man, that's, that's not good. And what, <laughs> what, a few seconds, a few seconds later. Oh, I no, saw the, hold the on, board. hold on. Okay. You just looked at that. It was like, man, that's not good. <laughs> that's not good. That's not good. So, uh, oh, I love it. a couple of seconds, it went a couple, but a few seconds later, I see the wheel wash on the water, the rotor wash. I said, now this is really not good. And I mean, no sooner than the thought hit my mind, the tail hit, the tail boom hit. Oh God. As soon as the tail boom hit, the aircraft slammed down on its left side. The wind on the left side blew in on me. Yeah. And uh, we, we all go through, hel through helicopter escape training. It's, it's required training, everybody does it. But you do it in a swimming pool. Right. In a mocked right. up, mock up helicopter. Uh, when, when it happens, it's not at all. I mean, the training, the training saved everybody, really did. Good. I'm really thankful for the training, but it's not at all like it is in a swimming pool. It's just, you, you, you can't see anything. <laughs> and uh, as, and when, when the helicopter slammed down, I saw a flash of light to my right. So I, I, I figured the pilot had got his door open. And in my mind, I said, if I, when I get out of this seatbelt, I've got to swim in that direction. And not knowing a helicopter was in the process of rolling over. But I disconnected my seatbelt and uh, I, I, I swam in the direction I, I thought. I ended up passed through the, the entire aircraft. I went through two front seats and I, didn't, I don't remember touching anything. I really didn't touch anything. Wow. So, uh, I broke up out of the water and the pilot was there. Brad was there and Rusty was there. And, and I looked at him. I said, well, where's Rod? Rod Morks. They said he didn't come up yet. He pops up in front of me. He's got eyes this big. He says, man, he says, I freaked out. I says, I, I forgot. It's okay. I said, we're all right. I said, come on, let's, let's, let's get with the other guys. So when the helicopter, I mean, there were, there were pieces of helicopter everywhere, rotors, pieces of rotor, tail boom. I mean, there's, there was pieces everywhere. 
most violent thing I've ever been in my life. I've been in a car crash, and that, that was the most violent thing I've ever been in. Holy smoke. And uh, we, we just so happened the helicopter went down, and when it sank, uh, the water was at such a depth that the, the, what was left of the, the rotor system was touching bottom. So we all stood on the belly of the helicopter and stayed together. And you could feel the helicopter bouncing along the bottom. Because you guys you know, are in the river. Like, you're in the river we, still. We, we, no, we were in, uh, in uh, Brit, what do you call Britain Sound. It's just oh, okay. east of the Mississippi River. Got it. Okay. And, uh, yeah. So um, it was cold water. Water was freezing. And uh, so we were all huddling together. And uh, I could feel the helicopter bouncing along the bottom. So I told everybody, I said, we were in water about, about up to our chest, I guess. And uh, I told the guys, I said, look, I said, if for some reason we lose this helicopter, I said, we're going to have to swim for that well jacket. I could see that well jacket. But I said, the current's so strong. I said, where the well jacket is, we're going to have to swim almost 90 degrees from it so that the current will carry us there. But I didn't want to do that because I knew by the time we got to that well jacket, we, we, we wasn't going to have the energy to climb out of the water. So uh, we stayed with the helicopter, and then we could hear a crew boat, could hear the engine of a crew boat. I said, oh, man. Couldn't see him, but we could hear him. So we hollered and screamed and hollered and screamed. Hollered. Well, he never heard us, and then he gradually faded off into the distance. I said, well, it's getting bad, guys. So uh, it was a few minutes later, or a few minutes, probably about 40 minutes, I guess. Pilot says, um, I have a radio. <laughs> What? <laughs> and he reaches in his pocket, shirt pocket, and pulls out a little radio about the size of a pack of cigarettes. And it, you know, in my mind, I said, "This is not gonna, this is not gonna do it," you know. But I shook the water out of it. I turned it on, and uh, I, I said, "Mayday, Mayday, Mayday!" to the Coast Guard. And I mean, as soon as I said that, Coast Guard Bell Chase, what can we do for you? I said, "Look at this here." So, <laughs> Wow. I said, uh, I said, we've been in a helicopter crash. I said, we've got five guys in the water. And I said, uh, we, we need some help. And they said, where are you located? And I, I can't explain to them about where we were. We were on a flight path from Lakefront to Mississippi Canyon. We were east of the Mississippi River. And, and, uh, and they asked, you know, is anybody hurt? And I said, you know, no. I said, nobody's hurt. I said, but we're cold. I said, it's cold. The water's cold. And they said, we got uh, put two helicopters in the air. We'll be there in a little while. And uh, so we started waiting. So in the meantime, I, I passed the radio to Brad. I don't know why I did it. I passed the radio to Brad. And it was a little while later. And we get a call from the Coast Guard. And they said, look, we have two helicopters in the air heading your direction. Can you give us a count from 1 to 10, 10 to 1? We're going to try to shoot the location of your transmission to get your position. So Brad starts counting and he's missing numbers. And uh, <laughs> I, I, right then I, I realized, you know, hypothermia is setting in, you know, he, he's not, he can't count, you know? Right, right. So, uh, so they said, uh, well, we, we got that. We're going to be there in a little while. So we waited a little while longer. Well, a little while later, they called back, said, give us another count. By that time, Brad couldn't count at all. I said, uh, this, is, this is not good. You know, it's uh, getting close. So a uh, few minutes, I don't know how long it was. We could hear the helicopters. We couldn't see them because it was, it was foggy. It was still for plenty foggy. 
And uh, then we could caught, caught a glimpse of the helicopter and started talking to me in. And uh, pilot says, we got you inside, got you inside. Oh, wait, we lost you again. Wait, we can't, wait, we can't see you. So talk to me again. So finally, they got over you. They said, we're over you now. So we're going to be, you know, we got you. We're putting a, you know, a rescue. Jimmy came down with a basket and uh, he took me first and then uh, two other guys. I don't remember which two. And uh, they told us that they were going to bring us to uh, the PHI base in Buras, which was probably seven, eight miles away, I guess. And uh, so we, we went there. When we landed, they told us, they said the other helicopter has trouble, is having trouble with their winch. They can't lower a basket. So we're going to have to go back and pick up the last two guys and the, the swimmer. So when they came to get us off of the helicopter, uh, I couldn't walk. I couldn't feel my legs. Just because so, you were so, so they cold? carried us inside put us in some hot shower. So I'm sorry? Is it because you were so cold, like hypothermia? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I, I just couldn't, couldn't feel my legs anymore. Okay. So they carried us inside and they put us in some hot showers and, and showered us down. And, and then, but it, you know, after a while, the other helicopter finally landed with the last two guys and, and, the, pot and the rescue swimmer. And uh, I, when I warmed up enough that I could stand up and walk a little bit, I said, you know, I, I really need to call my office and let them know, you know, where we're at and what's going on. And uh, I did that, and they said, well, you know, we're just we're gonna we're gonna send a helicopter to pick you all up, another company helicopter. And uh, they did that, and uh, and um, we got back to the to the hangar, and uh, Mr. Taylor was there to, to, to greet us. Uh, he he was so happy that we were all uh, all all right. Yeah. And um, he asked us all to sit on individually, separate from each other, and ride out what transpired you know in our in our each of our own perspective what transpired and uh we all did that and in my mind the other guys were seeing it it took a, a long time before we went into the fog bank and we eventually crashed and i said no i said it was it was it was less than a, a minute you know oh no it was longer than that i said no and then started looking at my watch i said okay i said you tell me when a minute so and uh each, each two, each one of them, it was about 25 seconds. They said a minute was up. I said, you see how long a minute is? I said, it, was, it wasn't long, but I said it wasn't longer than a minute. So uh, the helicopter essentially was never recovered. The helicopter was never recovered. And uh, after uh, a while, Mr. Taylor, uh, he had a retired admiral from the Navy who was on the board of directors. So he kind of put him in charge of the uh, investigation. And uh, a few weeks later, he called called me up and he says, would you mind coming and talk to me? I said, no, I said, I'll be there in a little while. And uh, he says, I read your statement. He says about the whole thing. He says, uh, he says, how cold was the water? I said, I, I got 56, 57 degrees, I guess. I said, I wow. about, about that. He says, how long were y'all in the water? I said, in my estimation, an hour and 45 minutes. I would think that's about how long it was. And he says, uh, I read in your statement when you got the Bell Chase to Buras, the PHI and Buras, you couldn't walk. I said, no, I said, I couldn't feel my legs. He said, y'all were about 20 minutes from dying. Oh, said, my God. Me? I said, excuse me? He says, yeah. He says, uh, when you couldn't feel your legs anymore, he says, uh, y'all were ready to just slip off of that helicopter into the water. He says, y'all wouldn't have no time left. I said, I really didn't need to know that. He says, well, he says, you, you know it. He says, now you know it. And, uh, you know, five guys, 
They said, uh, he told us, he says, uh, you know, five guys in a helicopter that hits the water under a hundred percent power. He says, and all of you walked away from it. He says, you belong to a very select group of people. This is very few people can walk away from that. And I just want you to know, I just got chills from that. All well, right. Look, Jimmy, look, Jimmy, five guys, Jimmy, and not a drop of blood. Holy not a drop of blood. God. Five guys. Amazing. All right. I let, I'm gonna I'm gonna back up <clears throat> again. Let's go to Jimmy now. So Jimmy, you roll up on scene. Yeah. You're trying to break through the fog to get visual of this five guys standing on a helicopter that's underwater. That had to have been something else too. Yeah, so it's weird because like uh, Larry was saying, uh, the way the fog was, it was the way it was layered. When we came up on scene, we could see them. And then uh, when we started coming down to an approach, man, we just got washed out. Like you would come through this this fog bank and it just completely went white. I mean, it was a whiteout. It was, it was crazy. And so I think by the time we broke through that, I mean, we were only about 25 feet off the water. Holy we could see him again smoke. so he would come yeah yeah it was yeah it was interesting to see that that's a butt pucker factor just yeah. for us being 25 feet off the water just in the fog yeah <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and so um yeah I th it, yeah so we come down and i can i got a visual on him i was sitting in the doorway and uh I could see him standing up, you know, they were probably chest, chest deep, something like that. And uh, I'm thinking, oh, these guys are standing on a bank. I never saw the helicopter. I didn't see the tail. <clears throat> I didn't see the fuselage, uh, you know, because we're down there. I mean, it's still foggy. I mean, it's just, right. It, right. and so, um, you know, we never, I don't, well, I'll get to this later. It's a very uh, interesting story, but um, anyway, so yeah. Uh, we discuss it, you know, we'll send me down. I'll swim, I'll swim over there, get to them. And then we'll just hoist them up with the basket. So great game plan. They hoist me down. I get over there. I don't know, maybe six or eight feet from, from where they're standing. And I hit an object and I was just like, what? and then it dawned on me. I'm like, Oh my gosh, these guys are standing on the fuselage. Wow. So like this. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I'm like, yeah, okay. So I swim over to, I, yeah, I got to ask, like, hey, did, did you swim over sure. and be like, hey, anybody see a helicopter? <laughs> I wish, I wish I could have been that quick. <laughs> yeah, so, so there's a helicopter down here. You guys seen it? That's hilarious. Sorry. Yeah. No. <laughs> anyway, anyway. All right. So you, uh, you hit, you kick the helicopter and it's like. So uh, I, I proceed to like uh, kind of swim off to their side. They kind of helped me up on this thing. And I'm like, you know, who's, who needs to go first, man? Cause I knew they'd been out there for a while. I wasn't exactly sure um, how long, but at least maybe 20 or 30 minutes because that's how long it took us to get on scene. Yeah. Um, we didn't, you know, we didn't know how long or when they had gone down or anything. So, but it was cold and I knew we had to get them out of there as quickly as possible. So uh, yeah, Larry and, uh, other gentlemen, we I think we picked up two, two or three the first first round, but I had to take them off the fuselage. Yeah. Uh, we weren't going to hoist there, um, obviously. So, you know, we'd slide off uh, the fuselage and swim 
I don't know, maybe five or 10 yards away from, from uh, that spot and we'd hoist and then I'd swim back, get the next one uh, and they'd hop off and we'd go to the spot. And yeah. Nice. So nice. And for everybody else that doesn't understand why it's because of all the underwater stuff that we don't see, you don't want that connecting to the basket. And now you're connecting the basket underwater to something. Now you're connected to the, the helicopter to that. And now you can create dynamic rollover. So there's a lot of stuff as a swimmer, which Jimmy is like going to the next level with this, you know, that that's super smart on your end. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you never know what's underneath there. You never know what, what, what the structure looks like. And so, yeah, you always want to, you always want to move away from what you can't see. So totally. Um, anyway. Here, uh, I, I don't know if it was a crew boat, but it was a, it was a boat and we could hear the horn then blow it just because it's so foggy, you know, to let everybody know where they're at. And I was just like, Oh my gosh, this guy, it, it sounded like it was right on top of us. <clears throat> and I was getting nervous because <clears throat> I'm like, these guys are just going to roll us over, man. Like they don't, they can't see us cause we can't see them. Wow. And, uh, but then you just kind of heard it kind of go off and we were yelling, you know, uh, but they, they just kept kind of trolling and then just kind of heard it just go off into the distance. And I was just like, man, I, I was like, I mean, I was already sweating, but I was sweating then, man. Like, I was just like, you know, here we are, we're going to get, you know, we're rescuing these guys and now it's going to be, you know, we're going to wind up in the water because we get hit by a boat. So, but anyway, Holy yeah, smoke. that was, yeah. I was and, nervous and the whole time. Was that after you had already picked up uh, the, the first yeah, three guys? Larry, yeah. Yeah. So Larry okay. and those guys left and uh, you know, we were just kind of sitting there, uh, you know, I was just reassuring uh, the guys like, Hey, yeah, it's, you know, it's not going to be long uh, where they're taking them. Uh, they'll be back and then we'll get the rest of you guys out of here. So, so you're sitting there yeah. on the, on the helicopter with them and yeah shooting the breeze reassuring man right like <laughs> i got I'm you guys like, yeah man it's okay i'm it's okay i'm a rescue swimmer you know yeah i've done right. this before <laughs> <laughs> so now all right so now once the helicopter comes back on scene um i, I imagine it's it's same same scenario you just swim over to the basket extract 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 and then and then you jump into the basket and go or uh, so, well, initially, um, the other helo uh, had come back. There was two helos. Um, and from what I remember, the, the second helo, and this, I think, is what Larry was referring to when their, uh, their hoist uh, broke. But the second helo was going to get the rest of us. And um, I could see them come down. And there was, a, I think it was twice um, that they had made an approach and I could see them the whole time. They couldn't see us because they were coming down through, like I said, that weird layer of fog. You could see, and then you couldn't see, and then you could see. And by the time you could see, uh, you're only about 20, 25 feet off the water. Wow. And um, and the I know the guys in the in the second helo, and they're you know outstanding individuals. Um, but you know those conditions, man. Like you know if you're not if you're not feeling a hundred percent 
comfortable. Um, you know, you, you do what you got to do to keep everybody right. safe. So um, I was on the radio the whole time um, talking to the pilot and the first approach they came down, you know, and then they, they couldn't see, see where that white wash. And by the time they came out of it, they just, you know, I, I just heard go around, go around. They did it again, um, came back around, did another approach and I'm watching them the whole time. You know, I could see them, but they would get to a point where they couldn't see me. I mean, they were, gosh, been more than 15 yards from us. And, uh, you know, again, it was go around, go around. And, um, and I think at some point that maybe they had a, a hoist failure or something on the, on the third try and, uh, they RTP'd and, um, uh, you know, said that though was in, in route, uh, to come and get us. The second helo. So, yeah. So it was the helo so that, that I'd gone out with. Yeah. Okay. So now the second helo is coming back you were you trying to vector those guys in as well yeah so at one point when they when they were coming in i had uh lit off my smoke oh wow okay so yeah so yeah um they were coming in and they were like hey can you you know light off uh your flare and i was like yeah sure no problem um so i figured the smoke would be the better uh option only because you know only because it's going to cover a wider base once it starts dissipating out. So um, they could kind of get a better visual. Yeah. And uh, so did that. They came in and uh, they were like, okay, we got you. You know, they marked the position, came around. And then they started going into their hoist. Uh, and like I said, I could see the basket and everything coming down and um, do what you got to do to keep everybody safe. And man, if you're, uh, if you're not, you know, things aren't going in, it, the way they need to go. Right. You know, it's no big deal. There's yeah. other assets. Right. So, right. Um, and we were fine, you know, we weren't, uh, you know, nothing immediate. Um, you know, we had another helo, so it was all good. Well, you were fine. You were yeah. in a dry suit and high speed low. Well, yeah, gear. these guys, those yeah, dudes are in jeans were, and a t-shirt. <laughs> right. You know, I'm just assuming, right. I'm, I just assumed that, you know, they had been in the water. It's cold. But I uh, I had not realized how long they had been out there. If I would have known that, then yeah, my mindset would have been like, oh my god, you know. Yeah, yeah. Let's get these. We got to get these guys out of here. Yeah, you know. So, wow. but yeah, when Larry told when he first told me how long they've been out there, I was like, good lord, man. Like, yeah, they just had minutes. You know, they just like you said, another 20, 30 minutes, man. That you know, it might have been a whole it, it might have been a whole different scenario. Wow. Um, yeah. when the second helo or the, your original helo came back to get you, how, how did that go? Well, like I said, I mean, um, I, I've known Mr. Walker for a long time and he's just one of the best pilots I've ever flown with. And, uh, he, he came in and, uh, we were kind of talking on the radio, you know, he said, you know, basically asked if, you know, how's everybody doing? I said, we're doing good. Just ready to get out of here. And, um, then we'll, we'll come back around and pick you guys up. And that's what he did. He came, he's like, yeah, we see you. Uh, came back around, uh, basket came down and, um, picked us all up, you know, beautiful. Went home. That was, yeah, that, that was a good feeling at that point. Now you went back to the, um, 
the same base that you had dropped La or those guys had dropped Larry and the other guys off on, right? Right. We had to go back. We had to refuel and stuff too. So, um, so, and, and uh, so this is where I'm getting to with this is that you went back there. Did you guys shut down and were able to kind of see and, and get everybody together? No. No. So, uh -uh. Larry, so Larry, you guys had already taken off and then the second guys, the second set of guys that got rescued then met up with you guys later? No, no. We, uh, we stayed there until the uh, other two guys came in. But uh, when they came in, we went ahead and helped them get some hot showers. And uh, we didn't I, didn't, I didn't know they'd even refueled or anything. By the time we got them kind of warmed up and I mean, we, we didn't even have any clothes to change into, dry right. clothes. Um, the, the, the Coast Guard helicopter was gone, you know, and I, I never saw Jimmy. I never, never talked to him. I never, I really, I talked to him, but I mean, I never asked his name. And, yeah. And afterwards, it, it never dawned on me to get back in touch with him, you know. So what's amazing about that is, uh, so we hot gas and then Bolt, like, okay, guys are saved. We high five him. Hey, I hope you guys do great. You're in good hands now. You're back. You're safe. Boom. We we're still on duty. We got to go back to work. I mean, Jimmy, you know that better than most. It, we yeah, we got to go back yeah. and refuel, <laughs> re reset the aircraft, and get ready for the next one. Uh, Larry, right. this is a like for you. You guys are are now like you have to go back to normalcy. Like, hey, all right, let's get a debrief. Let's find out what happened. So, uh, well, yeah, they sent they sent another helicopter. One of Taylor's helicopters to come pick us up and uh, brought us back to Lakefront Airport. Well, uh, in the meantime, um, we, while we were in Buras, I called my wife and uh, I told her, I said, look, I said, it, it might be on the, on the news, on the, on the television or something. I said, I said, we went in a helicopter crash. I said, everybody's all right. I said, I just don't want mom, my mom and dad at the time were still living. I said, I don't want them to hear it on the news and freak out. Yeah. And uh, she said she and she she was getting panicked and she says, what, what can I do? What can I do? I said, well, I said, we're soaking wet. I said, they're getting ready to bring us back to Lakefront Airport. I said, you know, I said, we, we, we just we just cold. Well, she immediately she lived about 35 miles, 40 miles from the airport, from the heliport uh, from uh, Lakefront. Yeah. So she grabbed a bunch of my coveralls and some towels and blankets and threw them in the car and she took off and driving about 80 90 mile an hour and you uh, know <laughs> when we when we landed at, at lakefront she just happened she was driving up at the same time yeah and uh, we all uh, were all able to get out of our wet clothes and put on dry clothes and everything else and after a while it it, it hit me kind of strange i was looking around and everybody had a coverall with larry on it <laughs> 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 I didn't realize she had brought a bunch of my coveralls and that everybody was putting my coveralls on. This is Larry. Oh, this is my other brother, Larry. This is my other brother, Larry. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah That's was, great. Yeah, and while we, while we were in the water, uh, I didn't know, um, but probably, I guess probably an hour or so after we had taken off from Lakefront, we should have been at Mississippi Canyon 20. Oh, Lord. In a half hour, 40 minutes at the most. Well, the guys offshore were ready. They were ready to come home. It was, it was crew change day, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. When we, when we didn't show up, they called the, the heliport, uh, Lakefront Airport, and they said, you know, hey, well, you know, when, when are the guys going to get here? Oh, they said, they, should, they took off over an hour ago. So they, and that, that's when people at the heliport realized that something, something was wrong, you know? And uh, 
I don't know how long it took them, and then they, they couldn't get in touch with us, obviously. And uh, they, they finally they called the Coast Guard, and they said, we have a helicopter that we can't get in touch with. And they said, oh, yeah, well, they, we got a call from them already. We're on the way to pick them up. And so uh, that's All right, that's way to go, dispatch. Way to, way to be up on that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, so, Larry, just out of curiosity, when you guys got back and and kind of debriefed and is it, was there any lessons learned or anything from you guys? Well, um, we, we had been talking about, uh, putting automatic, um, uh, some kind of automatic communication with the helicopters because the week before we had a helicopter flying in from, uh, South Marsh Island out of intracoastal city and it hit a fog bank and it ended up having to land. It landed on a levee in the, in the marsh just to, to wait for the fog to break. And we had a similar, it was a similar incident that we didn't know where the helicopter was, couldn't get in touch with it. And we were talking about, hey, you know, we need, we need some kind of way, some kind of automatic communication with these helicopters to know that, you know, if something happens, we'll know about it immediately, not an hour, an hour and a half later, you know. And uh, that, that really, we really hadn't come up with solutions yet when, when our crash uh, uh, took place. And uh, wow, it was a, it was a, uh, it was a mess, you know, Yeah. but uh, they sent it, you know, they, you know, nobody was hurt. Uh, like I said, not a drop of blood. So uh, they, they told all of us, said, go on home, you know, go, you know, go home, take some days off, you know, and, and uh, re, you know, you recuperate. And, and uh, you know, it, it was a small oil company. They really did. They didn't send any of us to the hospital, which should have been done. I yeah. Mean, uh, uh, later that afternoon, I had a big old bruise on, on my upper thigh. I had to, I went to the hospital, got x-rayed. There was nothing there, but it was just a big old bruise. And um, we, we, we stayed in touch. Me and the four, four other guys stayed in touch for the next couple of days. And uh, I told them, I said, you know, guys, I said, the, the longer we wait to go back, the harder it's going to be. And uh, we, we all talked about it. And then finally, we agreed that we would all meet at the heliport on Sunday morning and go back to work. Come on, and, Larry. That's the way to yeah. do it. Dang. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. we, all, we all met down on Sunday morning and got on a helicopter and all went back to work. And, nice. and you know, it's, it's a, uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a very religious person. I don't push religion or anything, but I'm a very religious person. And standing on that helicopter, uh, I, I worked in the oil field 33 years before I retired. I worked for Conoco for 20 years, and, and I worked for Mr. Taylor for 13. But uh, on standing on that helicopter, I saw the face of every man I had ever worked with. And I said, man, it could have been you as easy as me. Wow. Because how many times we got on them helicopters, we shouldn't have got on them, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, I, I, I went to work in the oil field when the pilots were coming back from Vietnam, and and uh, we had some Vietnamese pilots. I mean, good pilots and all, but they weren't afraid of anything. They'd fly in anything. You know? <laughs> yeah, I, and, and I've we, talked we, to some yeah. of those guys too. <laughs> yeah, and and we, we we get on we get on them helicopters. Not not never question. You know, any and how many times we flew in weather that we should not have been flying in. You know, right. And the other thing about the Gulf of Mexico, you, you fly over the Gulf of Mexico, you don't ever think of hypothermia. You know. Right, you're in the Gulf of Mexico. It's warm all the time down there. Right, you know, and that, uh, you, you never think about a you know a wetsuit or, or or you know a survival suit. You, you know that never crosses your mind uh, until you're in that water. You know. Yeah. yeah. No kidding. 
You know, I, I'll tell you what, Larry, there is something that was said to me when I graduated rescue swimmer school. And it was, you know, those guys that are out there are praying for a miracle and they're going to get you. And you got Jimmy. Come on, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you Good know, uh, Jason, you know, it's a miracle. We, the helicopter was in shallow enough water we could stay on it. Yeah. It's a miracle yeah. this pilot decided to buy this cheap-ass little radio off the shelf the week before. <laughs> it's a miracle the radio worked. You know, there's just there's so many things that 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 happened that you, you can't explain it. You can't. You really can't. You know. Man, I love it. I love it. Ah, uh, so Jimmy, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna switch to you real quick, and I'm gonna ask you. So you guys. You're, you and your crew drop all these guys off and they're about to, you know, you're hot gassing, jumping the aircraft, and you're flying back to base. Like when you got back to base, what was the debrief like? And what was the pass on to the rest of the shop? Uh, yeah. So uh, if you don't mind, I mean, I'd like to tell, I want to tell them myself real quick. Yeah. It, it's do. actually part of, part of the debrief um, that I did with the in-house with, with the guys in the shop. Um, so this was 2003. I graduated school in 94. So I, I probably almost had about 10 years under my belt. I was actually uh, getting ready to transfer out in 2003 in June. So I was getting ready to transfer from New Orleans. Uh, long story short, so to get back, when we did our, our approach to these guys uh, the first time, like I said, I could see them. And you know, chest deep water, never saw the helo, never saw the fuselage. And I'm thinking in the back of my mind, I'm like, these guys are standing, standing on the bank. So I'm like, uh, okay, I'll just, I'll walk over there, you know? <laughs> um, yeah. And I know, I know, you know where this is going. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> so I give the thumbs up uh, to get hoisted down and the flight mech's like, Hey, yeah, you want your fins? And I said, no, man, I'll just walk over there. Those guys are standing up and, uh, so I get hoisted <laughs> down and I keep going. Like once I hit the water, I'm like, oh my gosh, what? I'm like, well, okay, I'm okay. I'll just swim over there and I'll hit the bank eventually and stand up like they are and just kind of, you know, do our thing. And uh, yeah, once I hit, once I hit that fuselage, yeah, I didn't know it at the time, but once I hit that object, I was like, oh my gosh, what did I just do? <laughs> Your golden rule for are us. In the aircraft. Yeah. yeah, the golden rule for a rescue swimmer is to always take your fins, right? So well, that's like rule number one as like rescue yeah. swimmer stuff. Now, my rule number one yeah. is don't be lazy, but whatever. I got you. Don't leave your right. fins. <laughs> so <laughs> oh Jimmy, so that's now, fantastic. Yeah. So now I'm like, well, you know, I'm like, okay. So what do I do? Um, I was like, you know what? I, we're going to do a basket hoist. I'll like, uh, you know, I'll just swim these guys out and, uh, and, and hoist, you know, get the hoist done and, and not say anything. Maybe, you know, I don't want to call up for my fins. Right. Right. Uh, call it. A, I don't want to say it was a pride thing, but I was like, I don't want to call out my own mistake. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so yeah, I swim, right? I swim, Larry, and 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 
everybody think about it everybody's wet uh you know i don't have i'm not the biggest guy in the world and my legs definitely aren't they're toothpicks but i was just like okay i'll suck through this one and it'll be done i'll never do i'll never make this mistake again i got through two guys um two of them i got through larry and then the second one man and i was just like yeah I, my legs were on fire man i, I was just like yeah <laughs> So oh, <laughs> I got on my radio, <laughs> I got on my radio and I said, Hey, uh, would you guys mind sending down my fins? <laughs> oh yeah, sure. No problem. <clears throat> so we get back and I'll, I'll try to, t I'll try to uh, shorten this up. So we get back, we landed and uh, we shut down and I went up to Mr. Walker and I said, Hey, I said, you know, I said, you realize I, I told those first two guys, like without my fins, he's like, Oh yeah, we knew the whole time. He goes, the flight mech had mentioned, he's like, hey, on the first hoist, you know, since Jimmy's down there, you want to send down his fins. And Mr. Walker says, no, let's, let's see if he, let's see if he calls for him. Oh my you know? God, I so, love <laughs> <it>. <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah, and that, if anybody that knows Dave Walker, man, that's classic, dude. You know, I can just see his smiling face. No, nah, let's, let's see how far we're going to go with this thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, oh, what a dick move and hilarious at the same time. That's awesome. Well, go. So anyway, yeah, uh, we got a we got a pretty good chuckle after that. So um, that's pretty funny. That is pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. So we <laughs> so we get back to home home plate, and you know that's that's when we high five, man. When when we get back to home base, and you know we debriefed about it, talked to uh, the other crew. Um, about you know uh conditions on scene and like you know that's that's what you know that's what you're going to get sometimes man and everybody's got to have their head on a swivel um some of the do's and don'ts man um I, well don't forget your fins you're right um, <laughs> so no matter what's going on in your mind you know always always take your fins so uh but no um you know the hypothermia thing did come up uh, we talked about that and, uh, you know, there was, even though these guys were, were, you know, standing on the fuselage and stuff like that, it doesn't, doesn't mean that you can take time and, and lollygag or anything like that, man. It's, it's, it's all business. It doesn't matter where they're at or, or, you know, how long you think that they've been out there or, or whatever, man, it's, you know, you do it, you do it quick, you do it safe, get everybody home. Uh, and then, uh, talk about it so yeah man that's awesome i i love that yeah. I, I love that that you guys had a good debrief with the whole shop and not just your air crew as far as you know like how how monday morning quarterback it like because that's how we all learn i love that um i i do all right so now i gotta bring it we it's 18 years ago this case happened larry you are what walking through the store and you see Hannah with a Coast Guard shirt on or what? No, <laughs> no. Um, have, we have some uh, wife and I have some real good friends of ours. And, and uh, we've been friends for years. And uh, they said that uh, they had met a young lady at church at our local uh, St. Hillary Catholic Church that uh, she was assigned, uh, she was in the Coast Guard and she was assigned to Bollinger Shipyard until September. Uh, Bollinger Shipyard is located about five miles south of my house and they build Coast Guard cutters 
for, for the Coast Guard. They've been building them for years. Nice. And uh, she was assigned to this area, to, down to Bollinger's, because her, her brand new boat is getting released early September. And uh, her and her crew are down here training on the boats, uh, getting familiar with the boats and going through all the training that I know the Coast Guard does. And uh, uh, our friends, Chick and Sissy, we're, we're, we're going to have her over for supper one evening. So they called us up. They said, why don't you all come over and meet this young lady? And uh, I said, yeah, we'd love to. So we went to their house and, and she was there. And uh, we got to talking. And uh, I told her, I said, you know, I said, Hannah, I said, Hannah, my name's Hannah, not Hannah, but Hannah. Sorry, Hannah. I said, Hannah, I said I'll, I'll always be indebted to the Coast Guard. She says, really? She says, why is that? And I, I told her, I said, well, I was, I was rescued, you know, from a helicopter crash by the Coast Guard. She says, oh, she says, you've got to tell me the story. She said, I got, I got to hear it. I got to hear it. So I told her the story. She says, would you mind if I shared the story with, you know, with friends? And you know, I said, no. I said, you know, that's fine. She says, you, you don't really don't mind. I said, no, I don't. But within a couple of days, she, uh, she didn't have my number, phone number. She had uh, Sissy's number. And she texted Sissy. She says, have Larry call me right away. She says, I found a rescue swimmer <laughs> who, who rescued, rescued him from, from, uh, from the crash. And, and I, I couldn't believe I called her back. And uh, she gave me all the information, and and then uh, and I got I, I called Jimmy later that day, and we probably talked for about forty five minutes, I guess. And uh, yeah, that, which is awesome. Uh, it's, all, it's all it's all you know, it's all for her, and, and uh, I, I really appreciate what she did, and she, she's just a, a beautiful young lady, and and uh, we've got to be real close in the last few days. Uh, that's that's amazing, and I, so this is what she did. This this is what I know a little bit of how this all happened too. So she reached out to me um, through social media and whatnot, and she also reached out to there's an Instagram page for USCG underscore RS. It's basically for all us rescue swimmers, and the majority of us fall. Well, she just sent out. She's like, hey, I'm looking for the rescue swimmer that was on duty in 2003 and saved this guy in a helicopter crash. And immediately I'm like, holy smoke. Well, the guy that runs the helicopter, the Coast Guard swimmer uh, Instagram page is it posted it on Facebook. And next thing you know, this is how it, it all, it all happened. And Jimmy, I got to get to you. Larry calls you and, or actually I, let me back up. I remember seeing you post on our Facebook page, like we have a swimmer uh, Facebook page and it said, Hey, I think that was my case. So now Larry calls you, you. What was that like, dude? Yeah, that was amazing. Um, I, I was just excited. Cause I, I, you know, everybody was like, yeah, we know this guy passed the information. Uh, he's going to, you know, if you guys want to get in contact, I was like, absolutely. That would be wonderful. Cause I had never, one had never been in contact with anybody that I had rescued. And I've always wondered, you know, like what, what are those people doing? There's people walking around that, you know, you, you share this uh, extraordinary event in your life and you never hear from them, you know? Um, and so I was just, yeah, I was like, man, I, I can't wait, you know, and um, <laughs> to kind of go back with the whole Facebook thing, I'm not a, a real big, Facebook guy always on there, but, um, a few of my friends, uh, like Mario Vatone, I specifically saw that I was mentioned in a comment or something like that. And I was like, Oh, so what is, you know, what's Mario talking about? And they were discussing this particular 
case. And I was just like, I was reading the case and cause I was stationed with Mario then at the time. Nice. In 03. Yeah. So he was running down the list of people that were there. And uh, I was just like, man, I was there, but you know, let me see. And I was reading it and I was like, Oh my gosh, that I was like, dude, I had a case like that. And so I saw the date and I, I was like, I have a knife, um, which me and Larry were talking about that the pilot had given us, had the coordinates, the date and the time of that, of the crash. And he had sent as a gift, which was really cool. And I've kept it on my dresser ever since then. I've always had it out. Just, you know, one of those little tokens of appreciation that somebody yeah. sent. Yeah. And so I was like, that's my case, man. The dates match up. I'm like, hey, nobody else have a case like that. And I got the proof and I just kind of took a picture, posted it. And I was like, hey, I think that was my case. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah. Man, I, so Larry, I am. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just going to say. So, yeah, when I uh, saw that, you know, uh, my information had got passed to Larry and <clears throat> he was going to call. I was just like, yeah, man, I was just like, I can't wait just to hear one, to hear from him, to, you know, to see how he was doing and, and reconnect and just to be able to talk to him, man. I was, yeah, I was stoked. It, this is, this is unreal. Like 18 years later and you guys finally get to connect and hear like the full story on both sides. And, and I get to hear it for the first time from both you guys. Wow. Thank yeah. you guys so much for sharing this. This has been mm -hmm. unreal. Unreal. Absolutely. Larry, I'm so happy you're here to tell the story. <laughs> oh man, I, you, you and me both, man. You know, it was, it was, it was, it was tough. After, after that, it, would, it just kept getting harder and harder to get on the helicopter, you know? Oh yeah. And, uh, I, I lasted another three years before I retired, but uh, it, it's uh, it's something you don't ever forget, man. Never. You know, it's it's funny you say that because we're you're talking, Jimmy. You mentioned having the knife with your coordinates and the date, Larry. You're talking about. I mean, this was such a significant case in so many aspects that you remember it with very fine detail. Eighteen years later, that's how yeah. much this impacted you guys. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. crazy awesome and now you're here sharing it with the world oh i love it <laughs> <laughs> yeah when, when larry called man and he was you know uh telling it man it was just like it happened yesterday i mean he was telling me things and i was like oh yeah i remember that i re you know and i was just like <laughs> my gosh man yeah amazing amazing yeah, yeah. i've uh I've, I've, I've lost touch with the, with the, most of the guys, but uh, Brad Seal, I talked to him a couple of weeks ago, and, and uh, he's retired too. He has, a, he has a lot of heart trouble, and uh, he's going through a lot of medical issues right now. But I, I told him, uh, and I gave him Jimmy's number, and, and he said he was going to try to give him a call, but I don't know if he did uh, yet or not. But Brad's the only one that I still, I'm still in touch with, you know. Well, if any of those guys that, are, that got rescued – need to reach out. They can reach out to me. I'll get them in touch with Jimmy. Uh, Larry, your information's out there. Jimmy, we'll, we'll find a way to get everybody in touch with each other because that, yeah, that'd that's be awesome. Yeah, that would so. be. Yeah. Well, guys, I cannot thank you enough for sharing this story. This is like, I've been on the edge of my seat this entire time. I have absolutely loved it. Thank you guys so much for sharing this with everybody. Awesome. You're Thank you, Jason. So it was good uh, talking to you, Larry.
Good, good, Jimmy. Thank you. God bless you, my friend. Yeah, we'll have to talk soon. Yeah. Jason, thank you for what you do, man. I, I appreciate it. Really, Absolutely. Really means a lot. Uh, I, I'm, I'm so grateful that, that I have guys like you that, that one can go through a helicopter crash. I got guys like Jimmy that get you out of it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. All right. Well, with that, I will let you guys go. And uh, for everybody else, we are out of here. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Real Rescue Podcast. Please take a minute and like my daughters like to tell me, like and subscribe. Oh yeah. I'm pulling chocks and taking off. But before I go, if anyone out there has a rescue story that they would be willing to share, I would be humbled and honored to have you as a guest. Or if you have any questions about any of the rescues or anything else that we talk about here on this podcast, send me an email, therealrescue at gmail.com. That's T-H-E-R-E-A-L-R-E-S-Q at gmail.com. You can also check us out on our Facebook and Instagram page at The Real Rescue. That's at T-H-E-R-E-A-L-R-E-S-Q. I also want to give a special thank you to all of you standing on the watch today. Always remember that when that SAR alarm goes off, those in distress are praying for a miracle. They are going to get you. Until next time, fly safe and swim hard.